So yesterday we began discussing Yehudi Ilah and Yehuda Tata. The Alter Rebbe introduces Shara Yehud, the Yisoid, the fundamental part of the Baal Shem Tov's Torah's understanding the Shar HaYichud, Achdus Hashem, the unity of God, thereby being able to come to love of Hashem. And we began yesterday learning that the Alter Rebbe introduces that really the whole purpose of this part of Tanya is to understand a little of a little what the Zohar teaches, that Shema Yisrael, Hashem Echad, is Yichudi Ilah, and Baruch Shem Kveir Mechusel Elam is Yichud Tata, the higher level unity and the lower level unity. I want to also introduce two concepts to make it a little easier. I'm going to quickly review what Yehudi La and Yehuda Tata is, but I also want to introduce two concepts that in Aveda that Hasidus explains is the Aveda of Yehuda La and Yehuda Tata. Meaning, Yehudi La and Yehuda Tata are essentially the levels of God's unity. Those are the levels of God's unity, Yehudi La and Yehuda Tata. And we have to meditate on them. And we are meditating on those two levels are through us bringing about in our mind two states of being known as... Now, get first get the words and then we'll explain them, okay? But it's important to get the words. Yehuda Tata is what allows us to come to... is, is through us doing what's called Bitul Hayesh, the nullification of... Yesh, which I'll explain in a second what that means. Yesh literally means independent existence. And Yehudi Ilah, the higher level unity, is what's called through our Aveda, through our meditating and coming to what's called Bittel B'Metzias, nullifying existence. So there's nullification Bittel Hayesh and Bittel B'Metzias nullifying independent existence, and then nullifying existence. And let me explain what that means. So just to quickly review what we learned yesterday. So we learned that the Gemara says, meaning without Pneumius Torah, when it's just Bechitzonius, when a person is just looking externally at the world and God. So the Gemara says that Hashem fills the world like a soul fills a body. The just like the soul fills the body. And we spoke a little yesterday about some of the details and what that parable is. What's the metaphor of the soul filling the body? That, that it vivifies, it gives life, it vitalizes the body, it controls the body. The body can't move. You can't move your finger without the soul making it move. And so Hash- the Gemara says that Hashem fills the world like the soul fills the body. But we learned yesterday that why is that only Gemara? Why is that only Chitzonis? Because at the end of the day, the soul and the body, as unified as they are, there's still two things that are unified. Masha'enken, the truth of Enoid Milvadoi, is that Hashem is all that exists. It's not just that Hashem fills something else, which sounds like there is something other than Hashem. So rather we learn that what's Yehuda Tata? Yehuda Tata is the secret of Memalikolam, it is the secret of the Shechina of Shem Aleikim, the idea that Hashem's light actually manifests as the world. That Hashem's light is manifesting, Hashem is contracting His light and putting His light through vessels and through a whole system of Ishtalshalus, of the downchaining of worlds, to allow His light to actually manifest as the world. So the world itself is the light of Hashem. 
And that, that meditation is called Bittal Hayesh. Bittal Hayesh. Why is that called Bittal Hayesh? So first let's, let's just define what Bittal means. Bittal is probably the most important word in Chassidus, especially Chassidus Chabad. But it's already, you know, it's, uh, Solomon Maimon, the philosopher, he writes about that when he visited Mizrich, he visited Mizrich when the Magid, Reb Doiv Ber, the Magid of Mizrich was still alive. And when he visited Mizrich, he said that all they kept talking about is Bittal, Bittal, Bittal. So already a philosopher, a maskil, is testifying that in Mezrich, that was the Aveda. That was known that what's the Aveda that we have to do is called Bittal. Now, Bittal is one of the most misunderstood ideas in Chesidus. Because very often people misunderstand Bittal to mean that means that you're a nothing, that you're a nobody, that you're worthless. And it's quite the opposite. That's not what Bittal means. Saying you're a nobody, you're worthless is still arrogance. Rav Soloveitchik once said, I heard from Rabbi Weinberger that Rav Soloveitchik once said that, he, you know, where he was learning at one point, I don't remember when, but at one point he was learning right under a Musar Yeshiva. And I believe it was Navhardak, not Navhardak, it was um, Kelm, a Kelm Yeshiva, if I remember correctly. And he overheard somebody doing like the Musar Mahalach of like how to like, you know, chastise yourself. And he was saying, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, I'm worthless. I don't do anything, nothing I do is worthwhile. And Rav Soloveitchik said, this man is a complete egomaniac. Because even if you keep saying all how horrible you are, it's still ego and it's still, you know, uh, focusing on oneself and it's still not Bechlal connecting you to Hashem. So the idea of Bittal, according to Chesidus, what's Bittal? Bittal means... Becoming, losing an independent existence and becoming included in God's existence. It's almost like the best example is in halacha, when you have bitl b'shishim. How does bitl b'shishim work? What's the idea of bitl b'shishim? If you have a big pot of meat, huge pot of meat, and one drop of milk falls into it. So we say that that drop is bottle. Bottle, right? You're allowed to eat the pot of meat because the drop of milk is bottle. Now, what does it mean that that drop of milk is bottle? Does the drop of milk not exist in the pot? If you put it on an anatomic scale, it got heavier. There's now an extra drop in the pot. So, what does it mean that we're saying that that drop of milk is bottle, is nullified? And the way that the Rosh explains it is that because there's so much more meat, then that drop, it overpowers the drop and the drop transforms, becomes absorbed into the meat and that drop of milk no longer is milk. It becomes overpowered by the over, the huge amount of meat that it's within and it loses its milkness and it becomes meat. That's bittal. That's in halacha, bittal b'shishim, nullification in 60. It loses its status of being a drop of milk and it becomes meat. So our avoid, according to Chassidus, to bring about God's unity, to reveal within ourselves God's unity, is to be mevatal ourselves, to go through bittal ourselves. What does that mean that we're mevatal ourselves? That I lose my status of being a separate entity from Hashem. I allow myself, my, with my meditation, to allow myself to become included within Hashem, within the truth of godliness. Now, what's those two levels of Yehuda Tata Yehudi 
So when I meditate, and this is what we're about to start learning inside Yehuda Tata, so I don't want to give away too much because we're gonna. That's exactly what the text is gonna start talking about. <clears throat> that's literally how we're gonna begin Parak Aleph today, Mitzvah Shem. But the idea is that when I first meditate, that Hashem's light is bringing about the world every moment. Hashem's light is manifesting as the world. That's Bittul Hayesh. Why and Yehuda Tata? Why is that Bittul Hayesh nullification of the of it's sometimes I've seen in, in academic books, they translate Bitalayesh as annihilation of the self. Annihilation of the self, which sounds even more radical. It sounds like uh, annihilation, sounds like you know, something from like Vietnam or something. <clears throat> but I, annihilation of the self doesn't mean to say that you're annihilated, like with a machine gun or something, or, or zapped out of existence. It means that I annihilate my feeling of selfhood. Yehuda Tata means to meditate how. I see a tree, I see myself, I see my table, and they seem like a yesh. They seem like a yesh. That Hashem is creating this yesh, this being, this entity, this separate independent existence called a tree or a table or myself. But bitul hayesh means turning the yesh back into the ayin. Right? Hashem creates the yesh from the ayin, which is the divine light, and we have to turn the yesh back into the ayin. Bitul hayesh, Yehuda Tata, means meditating that I'm nothing other than God's light. The tree is nothing other than God's light bringing about the tree. The flower, there's no flower, there's Hashem's light bringing a, that manifesting as the flower. And that's Bittel Hayesh, even though things in the world seem to be a yesh, seem to be an independent existence, even though everything in the world seems to have a reality, other than God, Yehuda Tata means to be Mevatel the yesh, to know that no, there is no independent reality. Everything is absorbed in the divine light that's bringing it about. That's Bittel Hayesh. But that still means, is there no tree? Is there no table? Is there no me? I didn't mean that to rhyme. Is, is there no, there still are all these things. The world still exists, but what is the world? Elokus. Elokus. The world is Elokus. The world is just Elokus manifesting as everything that you see. There's no Yeshus. There's no independent being. Everything is just Hashem's light. That's Bittul Hayesh. But as we mentioned yesterday, that doesn't negate the fact that there's a world. The world happens to be Elokus. All the worlds, all the created beings are all God's light. They're not a yesh. Bittal yesh. We're nullifying the yeshus and understanding Yehuda Tata, that it's all Hashem's lower level unity. It's all the Shechina. Like the Baal Shem Tev said, have in mind, bear in mind that you're seeing the Shechina when you see the physical world. But that doesn't mean there's no world. There's still a Metzius. Yehuda Tata is that God's light is bringing Metzius, bringing existence. There's still an existence. It's just that God's light is the existence of the world in Yehuda Tata. We've nullified the Yesh. You've done Bittul Hayesh by doing Yehuda Tata, by meditating on Shem Alekim, on Shechina, by meditating on Mamalek and by meditating that Hashem's light is the world. You've nullified the Yesh. The world is no longer a separate entity from God's light. But Lamaisa Hashem's light is Shem Kavayd Malchusay. There's an entire Malchus. And the opposite. What do we know about a Melech? What makes one Melech greater than another king? What makes a king great? Beroiv Am Hadras Melech. The more things there are, the more there's Shem Kavayd Malchusay. 
Bereiv am hadras melech. The glory of a king is when there's quantitatively and qualitatively a huge amount of things. And the opposite, we know that meditating on Yehuda Tata, Psuke de Zimra is meditating on Yehuda Tata. Psuke de Zimra is the top part of davening where you're supposed to meditate on Yehuda Tata. Because Psuke de Zimra is meditating how Hashem's light is bringing about and manifesting as the world and everything in it. But there's still a world, there's still an existence. It's not yet Shema Yisrael Havaya Echad that Einoid Milvade, that only God exists. So then Yehudi Ilah, Shem Havaya, Havaya Echad, Soiv of Kol Almin. When you meditate on Yehudi Ilah, what you're doing is Bittel B'Metzias, you're nullifying existence. By meditating that really only God exists because the light of God that's becoming the world is within Hashem's infinite essence like the ray of the sun before it left the sun. And so that's meditating. Bittal Metzias, it's not just Bittal Ayesh. You're nullifying existence to say there is no world, there is nothing. It's all just Hashem, literally. It's all just Hashem's infinite light. And the light that we meditated that became the world is within Hashem's infinite essence. That's Yehudi Ilah. That's Bittal B'Metzias. Now, it's important to point out, does it mean that we're not there at that level? Oh, oh, it's Bittal B'Metzias. We nullified existence. Does that mean we, we don't, we're not there at all? We are there at that level. We're always there. But at that level, it's just God. We're just part of God's infinite being. That's Yehudi Ilah. Shema Yisrael Havaya Echad. I'm just part of God's infinite being. I have no separate existence in reality at all from Hashem. That's Yehudi Ilah. And that's what we left off yesterday. These concepts clear, Bittal Ayesh and Bittal Metzies. I mean, as clear as possible for now, but anyone want to ask anything? I have a question, but I don't know if we should hold it till we get, you know, like, till we get to this more in depth. I can't, well, I can't, I, are you asking me that? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I'm asking, should we like ask clarification questions or wait till Clarification we questions for sure, as long as the, as long as it's on topic. You're using language like we are Muvatel, you know, at the level that we're on, we are, it sounded to me, it's like we're creating this bitle is is that what you meant to say? Or is it like we're just like internalizing that perspective? That's a beautiful question. That's a wonderful question. Jonathan is asking when we say we are mevatel, the world, and nullified out of existence and make it unified with a God, does that just mean that we are doing it within our own mind? Or is it objectively as a subject? Or is it objectively happening in the world? And the answer is exactly both. There's a pasuk in Kehelis, Gam es ha'olam nosen belibam. Pasuk in Kehelis says, Gam es ha'olam nosen belibam. God placed the world in our heart. And Chassidus explained that that means that the way that you have a conscious awareness of the unity of God in the world has an effect on the objective world. In fact, in chapter 33 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says that that literally is the greatest simcha for Hashem in a way even greater than Torah mitzvahs. When you have that emuna in your mind that whatever you're looking at, you're always, let's say, whatever you're looking at is God's contracted light bringing this about. 
And then Yehudi Law, this contracted light is in God's infinite light. Yehudi Law, therefore, this just God, and I'm part of that, and the world is part of that. That brings that about in the objective world. And that's, by the way, why when the Baal Shem Tev asked Mashiach, when are you coming? What did Mashiach say to the Baal Shem Tev? When your Torah will spread forth. Because exactly because of what you're asking. Because that's exactly the point. Mashiach is when we'll see these things with our eyes. And Chassidus is about now being able to meditate on them. And that brings it about in the objective world. The reason that Chassidus is so important to bring about Mashiach is because whatever you're meditating, the bittel that you're coming to, the consciousness, the awareness of God that you're integrating now through learning Chassidus, that does have an effect on the objective world. The way that you look at the world in your heart has an effect on the objective world, Mamash. Yeah? Okay. So with this very, very basic understanding of now let's learn inside with again an understanding that he's going to now begin explaining and later on in chapter 7 he's going to get into Let's learn inside. Perak Aleph. Says the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe quotes a Pasuk that we all know. Now this is a Pasuk we all know. Some people say it's a Pasuk from Aleinu. We all know it from Aleinu. But before Aleinu, it was, it's in Vaeschanon. It's in Parshas Vaeschanon. It's Deuteronomy 4.39. Um, uh, Parshas Vaeschanon. And let's learn carefully what the, what, what the Pasuk is saying. V'yadata hayom. V'yadata hayom, you should know today. And we know, of course, the rule throughout Torah. When it says hayom, today, it means literally every single day. V'yadata hayom. But the Pasuk doesn't stop with v'yadata. It says v'ashevayse Which, remember, we learned about when we, we began learning Tanya together, that we said that that's the whole idea, that v'yadata hayom, whatever das, whatever consciousness you have, that then you have to bring down into your heart. It's not enough the v'yadata yom. You have to bring it down. That what? Which in English is translated that God is the Lord. But what we're going to learn over here, a much deeper explanation, what does it mean that havayahu elikim? We're going to learn that elikim means tzimtzum. Elikim means tzimtzum. Elikim is the tzimtzum, the contraction, the concealment that makes the world seem as if it's something other than Hashem. But that elikim, which is the tzimtzum, which makes the world conceal that it's something other than Hashem, that elikim is also havaya. It's like, you know when a kid covers his face so that you shouldn't be able to see him? Right? But when you when the kid is covering his face that you shouldn't be able to see him, you still his the hands are still him. So when Hashem is concealing, Hashem is making the circumstance that necessitates us to do bittel in our mind. Hashem is bringing about that concealment that the world does look like it's something other than God. That's elikim. So ve'adatayim that havaya hu elikim. That the concealment is also God. The concealment is as much God as the revelation. 
So the not feeling how everything is Hashem is also Hashem. And thereby, when you'll know this, as the Altarib is going to explain this Pasuk in, in chapter 6, he's going to say that when you know that and you take to your heart that Havayahu Alekim, that the concealment that makes the world seem as if it's a separate entity is as much God as Havaya. When you'll know that, then you'll know that what? That mitochas from the highest heavens to the lowest earth, ein oid. Nothing exists other than God. Ein oid. There is nothing other than God. And that you could only know by understanding the truth of Havaya Hu Ha'elikim. That Havayin Elikim are one. That revelation and concealment are one. That the world is God's revelation. I, I don't see that. I have to meditate. But the not seeing it is coming from the Shem Elikim. And the Shem Elikim is as much God as the Shem Havaya. So therefore you're always within Hashem whether you're feeling it or not. Because the not feeling it is also Hashem. And that's what he's going to explain. But the way that the Alter Rebbe begins Shara Yichud, I'm already speaking out based on, you know, later on in Shara Yichud based on what the Alter Rebbe is going to say. But what he's now, the question that he's going to ask now in the Pasuk is as follows. He's going to ask this, he's going to begin asking on this Pasuk, he's going to ask a question. When you still have an understanding, a superficial understanding, that Achtos Hashem just means monotheism. If you have not yet learned Shar Hayichud, you have not yet learned Chsidis, and one still thinks that Achdus Hashem just means monotheism, that there's only one God, and that's what this Pasuk is coming to tell you, that you should know that Havayu Alekim, it just means God is the Lord in the heaven above and under the earth, just to tell you monotheism. So based on that superficial understanding, ask the Alter Rebbe the following question. Look inside. V'tzarech lahavin, we have to ask, we have to understand. In other words, the Alter Rebbe wants to show you that from this Pasuk itself proves to you the Baal Shem Tov's teachings. This Pasuk itself, it, by this question, it, it should say to you, if you get this question clearly, you'll see you'll need, you need the Baal Shem Tov's teachings to be able to understand even what this Pasuk is saying. Why? Because Tzarech lahavin, we have to understand, v'chital al daitcha, would it arise in your thought? Would you ever imagine that there's another God, the opposite of monotheism? You would think there's another Elikim, but in the water under the earth, that you need the Pasuk, that the, the verse has to Lahazir Kolkach so strongly. That the Pasuk has to tell you it's not enough to know, you have to bring it to your heart. And as what the Alter Rebbe is saying is like this, would you think that there's another God in the water under the earth? Well, there have been nations that have thought that. There have been nations, you know, Neptune, Neptune, right? The Neptune or whatever, the, the, the Hades, Chves. There have been nations that have thought that there's another God in the water under the earth. The al is like saying, Would you imagine such a thing? So you could say he's talking to Jews. Fine. But Lamaisa, what the al is really saying is like this. If it's a question of that you have this mistaken belief that there are many gods, 
And so we have to tell you, no, there's just one. The Alter Rebbe is saying the Pesach would not need to say, Those are the words that are bothering the Alter Rebbe. When the Pesach is saying to you, the connotation of that is that this is something that's very hard to internalize. You're being told that you need to meditate on it again and again and again. You have to think about it while you're walking down the street. You have to live with it. You have to think about it all the time. means you mamish have to put a lot of effort to internalize this idea. But if Achtus Hashem, if it's just coming to tell you monotheism, you might have thought there's another God in the water under the earth. So the Pesach has to tell you, no, there's only one. Okay. So now I know there's only one. That's a philosophical, that's like, imagine, you know, if I'm telling you just a fact, you don't need to work on meditating and internalizing it. You only need to work on and internalize something that goes against your empirical experience. I'm going to say that again. You only have to you only have to deeply meditate and work on something that literally contradicts your empirical experience. The fact that there's just one God, it would have been enough. You should know there's only one God. We don't believe in many gods. We only believe in one God. If it's that simple, the philosophy of it, v'yadata yom. But that the Pasuk is mazhir kol kach. The Pasuk is going out of its way to so strongly stress the v'yadata You have to work on bringing this into your heart. That means that this is an idea that contradicts, that goes against your empirical experience. Because our empirical experience is that the world is a world. God is up above in the wild blue yonder and and I see the world in front of me. So therefore, that's why you're going to be half to Vashavayselavavecha. I'm I'm giving away the answer. He answers this in chapter 6, but I'm giving away the answer now. Here he just says the question. In chapter 6 is where he actually writes the answer. He says, now that you understand that what we're we're talking about is Achdus Hashem, God's unity, doesn't just mean monotheism. It means that God is all that exists. Now you could understand why the Pasuk has to say Vashavayselavavecha. Because it's going against every experience you've had since you were a child, when you've experienced the world as something other than God. So what the Pasuk is really saying, as he explains in chapter 6, and it's not enough to know, but you have to vashvei Why? Because you have to know that that God is the concealment, Hashem is as much in the concealment as the revelation. Where? From the highest heavens to the lowest earth, to the water under the earth, that's also just God. There is nothing other than God. That's how he's explaining, that's how he's allowing us through this Pasuk to come into the union of the Baal Shem Tev. Without the Baal Shem Tev's understanding, this Pasuk is really hard to understand. Is that clear, what I just said? Anyone, that's clear? Yeah? Okay, so we have another two minutes, so let's just start reading a little more. So now what the Alter Rebbe is going to do in order to explain this idea, that the answer is, he's, we're learning how everything is the light of God, Yehudatata. So what the, what the Alter Rebbe is going to do, is going to answer this question by introducing a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. By introducing a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. And through this teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, we'll be able to understand Yehudatata. He makes the Pasuk says in Tehillim, 
And really, the next, this whole chapter and the next few chapters is based on this Pasuk. It's Tehillim 119. Psalms 119. Tehillim 119. The Pasuk says in Tehillim as follows. Lo'oilam havaya dvarcha nitzav b'shamayim. Forever, O God, your word stands firmly in the heavens. Lo'oilam Hashem dvarcha nitzav b'shamayim. Forever, O God, your word stands firmly in the shamayim. In other words, what, what does that mean? I'm going to read it quickly today and we'll go back and we'll review it tomorrow. What is this Pasuk talking about? That forever, O God, your word stands firmly in the heavens. By the way, you should know in all of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe only openly quotes the Baal Shem Tov twice. Uh, twice or three times. Mamish, even though it's all based on the Baal Shem Tov, but he only openly quotes him, I think, two or three times. This is one of the times, because this is so fundamental to the Baal Shem Tov's teachings. The Baal Shem Tov explained this Pasuk, The words with which you, God, said, let there be a firmament, right? Genesis chapter 1, when God spoke and said, you might have thought when you read Parshas, Barashas, and Genesis that God speaks, that He speaks and He spoke these words and things came into being. The Baal Shem Tov said, No, the words of God become the Shemaim. The words of God, when God said, the words of God, your dibur, your speech that you said, let there be a heaven, those words, that speech, which we'll learn tomorrow, what does divine speech mean? Those words actually become the Shemaim. And with that, we're going to stop for today, unless there's any questions or comments or witticisms. Any questions on what we learned until now? But the, this teaching of the Baal Shem Tev is very is about the idea that how the divine speech, divine speech is a synonym for Shechina, you should know. Divine speech is a synonym for Mamali Kolamna, for the light of God that fills the world, right? Any questions, what we learned today? More of a, uh, just a, a technical question of uh, the, um, the, the, the Balatanya uses this, this Pasuk of Ashi Waisa Elavavecha. It seems like if just from the, the basic context, Hashem is, is warning us against Avodazara, other, some other being, which was so common back then that everybody, you know, had that as, as a possibility. And the, even the greatest people were succumbed to this such that you really had to like think about that to overcome that desire at the time. So, so here's the thing. Back then, you have to remember, the Pesach says, V'yadata hayom, which we preface means every single day. So maybe when they read this Pesach in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, when paganism was still prevalent, so then you're 100% right. It makes sense that maybe they had to do the Vashavisa even for the simple idea of monotheism. But by the fact that in the later generations, when there's no longer a, 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 a um, there's no longer an Yetzirah of Avedazara, right? We no longer have that desire, and yet we're still being told Vashavaisilvavecha. So therefore, the Pnimiyas Dikapshat now of Yadata Hayom Vashavaisilvavecha is that Havayu Elikim that God is revelation and concealment in heaven and earth, and there's nothing other than Him. 
So you're right. Before the, the you know, we in Hasidim believe, and this is one of the things that got Hasidim in trouble, but they never minded that so much in the good old days. But Hasidim always believed that as the generations went on, more Torah was revealed. Deeper levels of, that's what Hasidus is based on, that Kabbalah was revealed later on, then Hasidus was revealed. So more revelation has happened over the generations. People got less, but Torah got greater. And Torah is now revealing the deeper meaning of this Pasuk. So you're right. Could be in those days they had to struggle with paganism. But when it comes to today, what is it you're trying to internalize? Achdus Hashem, the truth of God's unity, that God's light is what the heavens are and what everything is. God's or maybe speech. our Vodazar just looks a little different. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, that, but, that, but maybe the, it's back then it was that there were other gods, but now we are under the delusion that we're the gods. Well, I mean, it depends how you're defining gods. But, but cert- that's what I'm saying. It's not that it, like I, I heard what your point that now the Torah has become more expressed throughout the world and that like that their idea was of like a, what we would call like a simplistic pagan pagan understanding of what the world that's what they were fighting against but when you look around the world today it's a lot easier to we're under the delusion that we're in control yeah and don't forget the delusion is also not just about us the delusion is that the world exists as something other than god that there's a world that's also a delusion in other words what we're negating now is not just that there are other gods or even that i'm a god or that or that there's any control we're negating that there's anything other than hashem which is a very hard thing to to really live with because I feel like not just that I'm in control it means that I've that my, that I feel like I'm a separate entity from God that's delusional that's why you need the vashavislavavecha that's why you need to meditate about this again and again and again Hasidim used to say by the way the big dalit of echad looks like a hammer because you have to bang it into your head and again and again vashavislavavecha you have to keep banging it into you till you get it because we're going against the delusion that I exist that's not just ego. That's 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 complete loss of self. That's bittel b'metzias. Eventually, any other question? No. Okay. Good. See everyone tomorrow.